Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Media. All right, guys, I did my job. It's It Could Happen Here, a podcast that I just opened by saying woo-ha. Mia, I'm going to throw to you now. What are, what are we talking about today? <laughs> oh, boy. So yesterday we did, I guess, the sort of intro legwork to the kind of stuff that you need to know to understand the, the sort of new crop of right-wing Palestine grifters. Um, and today we're actually going to get into who these people are and how their politics developed and how the sort of trajectory of this has shaped a lot of the left. And to do this, unfortunately, we need to introduce one of the main characters of this for better or for worse, probably for worse, Max Blumenthal. God damn it. I just yeah. woke up. We're talking about yeah. Max Blumenthal, and I, I'm just yep. barely started my coffee for the morning. Son of a bitch. I'm so sorry. I apologize to everyone, but unfortunately, unfortunately, this needs to be done. Yeah, he's so, the human equivalent of soap scum. Yeah. So, okay, I I think the place to start with Max Blumenthal is a thing that's pretty common among most of the kind of new crop of of these Palestine grifters is that he used to be a pretty normal progressive. Now, for some of the people we're going to be talking about, pretty normal progressive was a thing they were in like 2019. Uh, For Max Blumenthal, like he was a pretty normal progressive in like the 2000s. And in 2009, he, he was a real journalist at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like he he wrote this book called uh, Republican Gomorrah Inside the Movement That Shattered the Party, which is a pretty good book about the rise of the Christian right and how they seize the Republican Party. And this is very funny because the place he is going to end up at the end of this story is going on Tucker Carlson and being aligned with like the exact forces he was talking about like a decade and a half ago. So before we really sort of get into him, we need to talk about his family Gare, do, do you know who Sid Blumenthal is? Oh, yeah. The, the name sounds familiar, but I, it's not ringing any specific bells for me. Major, yeah, so I think uh, Clinton staffer, right? Yeah, yeah. He was like Clinton's hatchet man, basically. Yeah. Like, this is mostly originally with Bill Clinton, but like later Hillary Clinton, too. He's like the guy who does the Clinton's like political dirty work. Um, and he was, he was a big guy in the 90s. His... The, the the most impactful thing that he did for modern politics is that he is the guy who invented birtherism is slightly too strong of a word, but he's the guy who pushes like Obama birtherism like into the mainstream because like as an attempt basically to kill uh, Obama's campaign so that Hillary could win the nomination. Um, how well did how well did that turn out? <laughs> well, <laughs> it gave us Donald Trump. So, you know, uh-huh. things things going great. And, you know, so so this is Max Blumenthal's dad, right? Like Max, and this is, I think, I think it's kind of important about him is that he grows up very sort of proximal to power. 
like he goes to Georgetown Day School, which is a $40,000 a year prep school that has like multiple Supreme Court justices like have sent their kids there now. But he, so he's like kind of a normal progressive journalist for a long time. But in the early 2010s, he takes a genuine, a very principled stand on Palestine that gets him kind of kicked out of a lot of progressive circles because in 2012, 2013, it was, and still is to this day, but like it was, it was very hard to take pro-Palestine positions. And he, like, he just ends up in this sort of spiral where like he loses most of his friends, his girlfriend breaks up with him. Like he's not getting work from the usual places he'd been getting work from because he's been sort of like kicked out and isolated for taking this stance. And the product of this is that he goes he takes this meeting that is very, very weird. So in 2015, Russia Today has this like week-long gala thing that's for its 10th anniversary. If, and if you're like a Mueller investigation fan, this is very famous. If you're a normal person, almost no one has ever heard of this thing. Yeah, so this this gala thing, this is in 2015, it has a bunch of very, very important Russian officials, like Gorbachev is there, like there's a bunch of like senior like uh like senior officials. Um very famously Mike Flynn gets paid $45,000 to speak there. Uh Jill Stein, who's the the Green Party candidate in 2016. Th- th- this is where I, all I the conspiracies running again for the Green Party this year tech- yeah, technically. Yeah, I I don't know if they're going to be this well, year's going to be theirs. I think they got it. I think they got it unlocked now. Jill Jill, Jill Stein 24. <laughs> Wait, she beat Howie Hawkins? Is he not running again? I believe I believe it's her. Um that's last last I heard, Jill Stein is, is making is making oh, another God. run for it. God um, damn. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she is uh one month ago she launched her twenty twenty four presidential bid. Oh boy. So Yeah, there okay. You go. So So Jill Stein th- this is where if you've ever heard the conspiracy stuff that's like Jill Stein is like a Russian agent. It comes from the fact that she was at this meeting and then started running for president. Now, what's interesting about Max Blumenthal going here is at this point, he's a pro Syrian revolution guy. And he writes, he writes a bunch of articles like criticizing Western leftists for supporting Assad. And I want to read from a little bit of them because it's, it's a really interesting look into who he was before and the fact that he knows exactly what the playbook that he's going to be using is besides exploiting the palestinian cause the assad apologists have eagerly played the al-qaeda card to stoke fears of islamic takeover of syria back in 2003 assad accused the u.s of deliberately overstating the strength of al-qaeda in order to justify its so-called war on terror but now, in a transparent bid for sympathy from the outside world, Assad insists the Syrian armed opposition is controlled almost entirely by al-Qaeda-like jihadists who have come from abroad to place the country under Islamic control. In his address to the Syrian People's Assembly on June 3rd, the dictator tried to hammer the theme home by using the terms terrorist or terrorism a whopping 43 times. That is a full 10 times more than George Bush did in his speech to Congress in the aftermath of 9-11. In joining the Assad regime's campaign that delegitimized the Syrian opposition by casting it as a bunch of irrational jihadis, ironically, they seem to have little problem with Hezbollah's core Islamist values, Assad's apologists have unwittingly underwritten the war on terror lexicon introduced by George Bush, Ariel Sharon, and the neocon cabal after 9-11. So this is pre-2015, like 2015, like pre-this meeting, Max Blumenthal. So he goes to this meeting... And then after that, founds Gray Zone and all of his positions suddenly flip. And this is the thing you can actually, if, if you want to, if you go back and trace, so Gray Zone is this sort of media outlet thing that Max Blumenthal founded. And it's interesting because there's a lot of like Aaron Mate too. Like if, if you go through the journalists in this outlet, the moment they start working for Gray Zone, all of their positions on stuff like Syria just immediately flip. Um, There's, okay, so there's a conspiracy version of this where... Like, if, if you read liberal accounts of Gray Zone, they will argue that Max Limithal went to this meeting, got paid off by the Russian government, and that Gray Zone is like a Russian asset. I I don't know. I don't think that's true. I, I, well, the thing I can say about this, I, nobody knows where Gray Zone gets his money from, right? They're very, they're yep. very sort of like, like, there's Patreon stuff, but other than that, they're very sort of sketchy about it. There's no evidence, like, directly that he's been 
like paid by the Russian government to do gray zone. The thing that I can say is that he has taken a bunch of money from the Russian government to go on RT like all the fucking time. Um, that, that's a part of it that I can say. I don't know. This is one of these things that's it's such a sort of like confluence of like all of these people were in the same place at the same time. It's one of these things that generates a trillion conspiracy theories. I'm going to say that I don't think that this is like a giant Russian conspiracy, but he does flip all of his positions almost immediately after going to this meeting. And the thing the, the, the position that he starts taking is is the exact same position that he was ta- he was writing about like before this in, in 2015. He starts talking about how like anyone who opposes Assad is a quote head chopper. And he starts he starts selling like one of these big things is selling this line that like Assad is the defender of serious ethnic minorities, which is like a thing that I think would be news to them. And, you know, and he's, he, he starts a podcast called Moderate Rebels, which is a joke about like, uh, like the, the U.S. is funding moderate rebels, but all those people are actually like Al Qaeda supporters. And I, I, I don't know, like, I think I think it's interesting comparing his pre-2015 writing to his post-2015 writing because he very clearly understands what he's doing. Like he he wrote an analysis yeah. of the thing that he's going to be doing. Yeah, there's no plausible deniability with him. Yeah, and a big part of this whole deal is like, and this is one of the things that Max Blumenthal figures out is that there are there is a very large market in selling a palatable form of Islamophobia to the left. Um, he, you're going to see this in I mean, this is one of the things that he does in Xinjiang, um, where there's he's he's part of this whole sort of sphere of people who are like there's nothing happening in Xinjiang everything's actually great and with with both that and Syria there's exactly the same playbook which is to go all like you know all of the resistance to this government is CIA backed Wahhabi terrorists you can find like some people who suck and go oh hey like the, the these guys are all jihadists and you know in Syria this is sort of bleakly funny because if you know your war on terror history, like Bashar al-Assad, like tortured people with the CIA and the US like held some Uyghur guys for the CCP in Gitmo for allegedly being part of a separatist group. But this is an important part of how people sort of launder these right wing dictators. And this is something that there's a very old sort of tradition of this on the left that these these a lot of people are able to sort of graft onto. Um and I'm going to take an example of this because I think it's important. Because one of the 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 er sort of moments of all of this politics is the collapse of Yugoslavia and the sort of left wing defense of Milosevic. So I'm going to read from take to take an example of like what this shit looks like. I'm going to read from an article that Jeremy Scahill wrote, which is. I think the worst article about Milosevic I've ever seen. This is this is a Huffington Post piece. This is I think the worst thing I've ever seen written about Milosevic in a mainstream outlet. Here is uh, here here is Jeremy Scahill quote: "Little attention, therefore, has been paid to Milosevic's long-term efforts, which predate 9/11, the 1999 NATO bombing, and his own trial, to expose the presence of Al Qaeda in the Balkans, from Bosnia to Kosovo." With 9-11, Milosevic's talk of Al-Qaeda was easily dismissed as laughable, pathetic opportunism. But those who follow Milosevic's career, and importantly the events of the 1990s in Yugoslavia, know it was none of these. Those allegations were based on true events the U.S. does not want discussed in an international court. Following the defeat of the Soviets in Afghanistan in the 80s, many Mujahideen eventually turned their sights on Yugoslavia where they went to fight alongside Bosnian Muslims against the Orthodox Serbs and Catholic Croats. Once again, the U.S. and bin Laden were on the same team. To this day, there are reports of training camps in Bosnia, which remains under occupation. It is also likely a training ground for future blowback. So, that's, like, nonsense. Like, there are not, there are not Al-Qaeda training camps in Bosnia. Like, what the fuck? Like, it's just, it's complete nonsense. And, you know, it, it, it relies on a lot of the other sort of like weird things that that leftists like believe and don't believe about this. Um, there's there's a very if, if you want to actually read about these sort of like transnational Islamist networks, um, there's there's a very good book by the anthropologist Daryl Lee called The Universal Enemy Jihad and Jihad Empire and the Challenge of Solidarity. But like, OK, I, I want I want to ask the audience a question, right? Why would members of the Mujahideen 
be in Bosnia in the 1990s. And I want to suggest that it might have something to do with the fact that Milosevic was trying to kill every Muslim in the fucking country. He almost did it. He, he, he was pretty close to actually doing it. You know, but the, 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 the sort of the, the, the sort of like left conspiracy solutions like, no, no, it must have been the CIA. There's no plausible reason why ex Mujahideen guys would have gone to a country where someone was trying to kill the entire Muslim population. Like, what the fuck? Do you, like, it's 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 all stuff that's like this. And, you know, he also talks about how Milosevic, like Milosevic would have like testified about the CIA institution of a neoliberal government in Kosovo. And like, what? Like Milosevic is the guy who presided like he was one of the architects of of decollectivization in Yugoslavia. Like he is like before before he was this before he was the butcher of Belgrade. He was the butcher of the Yugoslavian socialist state. But you can you know, and so and he was he was just a hardline right wing Serbian nationalist. But you can sell him to a Western audience by using Islamophobia, by exploiting, you know, by 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 doing this thing where you're like, oh, well, actually, like all of these people were uh, uh, they were all Al Qaeda. And you, you can use this to sell the guy who destroyed Yugoslavia as like the leftist savior of Yugoslavia. And, you know, I think that the part about this that's really sad is like, you know, there was, you know, the, the sort of last true believers of the old Yugoslavian working class. Right, were these the Yugoslavian anti-war protesters, and these guys, you know, they they they're they're protesting to stop the war they see coming that the Serbians are about to unleash, and they just get murdered in the streets by Milosevic, you know. Well, because seven years later the U.S. decided that they didn't like him, like he's become this like hero of a bunch of these, like a bunch of Marxist-Leninists, like see this guy as a hero, and this is. You know, this is this is just this is their big sort of like political trick is using the threat of like terrifying Muslim like terrorists to just legitimize right wing dictators. Uh, I mean, you know, speaking of right wing dictators. Uh, yeah. There's a, a non zero chance there's an ad for someone who will be one in the future uh, right now. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. So we're, we're, we're back to this stuff. And, and Syria... And specifically, the, the way people think about Syria plays a huge role in the sort of development of the left. Um, and one of the reasons that the sort of new gray zone line, which is that the entire opposition is composed of Islamists um, and that Assad is the only person who can stop them, is that like, you know, part of the reason this works is that like, yeah, like they're and, and, and this is this is the gap that these people always sort of come in through is that like. A lot of the Western media was not covering Syria very well. They they weren't covering the rise of like Jabhat al-Nusra very well. And you know, they 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 use this gap to sort of like come through and rehabilitate Assad by going like the media is lying to you, Assad, who again I need to mention like 10 years earlier, this guy was torturing people for the CIA. 
but you know now like Assad is actually an anti-imperialist and and this works this works enormously well this is the sort of breach through which Blumenthal enters the mainstream and this this discourse about Syria like reshapes everything about the left um this is where this is where American Marxist Leninism like comes from right like a huge portion of it is from the people who backed Assad um, and this is it's actually really weird. Like almost every big sort of like leftist like podcast or media thing like came out of the Syrian civil war in some way or another. Like the whole gray zone versus Bellingcat thing is a like is is a thing that was originally about the Syrian civil war. Um, Tropo Trap House, which is like, I guess, if people who don't know, is this massive like social democratic podcast um, also like sort of came out of there like it was partially about like came out of like turkish politics but those were very very similar circles like on twitter at the time and you know and one of their big things is like felix buterman's like the truth about syria which is a a a sort of slightly softer like version of supporting assad that also supports like the revolution in rojava like i came out of this because i was on the pro rojava side because like i'm an anarchist and i have a bunch of kurdish friends so there's this giant fight about what the Syrian civil war is and what the sides are and what it means. And this is one of the things that comes to define what the left is. And the gray zone people sort of win. And the result of this is that this pro-Assad, like nominally anti-imperialist position becomes the default position of a bunch of sort of like people who aren't like hardline Marxist Leninists who are just sort of like like kind of edgy Bernie, like Bernie supporters. And this is something that like, you can see the effect of this, like to this day, if you look at left, if you look at like leftist meme culture, like you can see people who are otherwise mostly normal, making line of Damascus jokes about how like Assad is like the line of Damascus. Um, people still make jokes about barrel bombs, which is, you know, this thing that Assad would do. Uh, there's the whole, like the one that I see the most, it's like still very, very common is there is this whole meme of like, Hillary Clinton says Assad must go. And then there's like the second panel is like who must go and Hillary Clinton's gone. And people still do this like to this day. The, the other really common one, there's this little girl named uh, Bana Alabed, yeah. who is a Syrian girl who got uh, bombed. And there's like a video of her, you know, reacting in the way a small child would to being bombed. And like there's a, a meme that's basically taking her words and twisting it into like, Please, America, you know, come and uh, intervene in Syria. Like, turn it basically like this. This girl is CIA propaganda, trying to like justify U.S. intervention in the war. Like, that's the that's the bit you see it posted a lot. People repurposed it after the Russian invasion of Ukraine um, to make fun of Ukrainians. It's like it's like pretty fundamentally cruel. Yeah, and, and that's that's how a lot of this stuff worked because it, it it was it's stuff that fits into the social values of that part of the left at that time which is that both the Marxist-Leninists and what was called the dirtbag left around Trapo was completely irony poisoned. And like, I get it. I, I was around then. Like, I did my time in the irony trenches. Like, it's really hard not to react to the world with ironic detachment when it's so fucking terrible. But, you know, the the, the other side of that was like, the these people started, like, were doing these Assad memes because they were like, because they were edgy and contrarian and because, you know, like, the... Like this is like the stuff with the bond. This is the th- one of the things with the bond stuff is like deliberately demonstrating that you don't have any empathy is 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 something that's edgy and contrarian. And like the like the, the the performance of that was this very sort of like powerful emotional pull that that serves to legitimize a bunch of this stuff. And. You know, originally, and and part of the other thing here too is like everyone, everyone in all of these circles, their big thing is trying to own the libs, and this is something that like the libs cared about, and doing this thing of like how much you don't care about it and how much you think it's like them falling for propaganda. That was, you know, that was something that was heavily incentivized by the structure of how things like Twitter work and how like retweets work, and. You know, but th- but this this is I mean, it's bleak in and of itself, but it leads to stuff that's worse because the only other people who support Assad are like white supremacists. And this leads to a bunch of very, very weird cross pollution that normally you wouldn't expect to be happening between these circles and people who are just Nazis. Um, One of the most common sources about Syria 
for both sort of Marxist Leninist and like social democratic Twitter users is this person named Partisan Girl, who's like I still to oh, this God. day like a very big yeah. media figure. So she is a Syrian Australian quote unquote Syria expert. We don't really have time to get into all of her stuff. She's been here on Infowars. She's been on. Yeah. she's been on RT a bunch. I think. Yeah. Yeah, she. I mean, she, she's been on David Duke's podcast. David oh, Duke, God, people don't she know, has the been former on Duke's podcast. Yeah, yeah, the former Grand Wizard of the KKK. She was on Richard Spencer's podcast. Mm-hmm. Like she is just a Nazi. Um, the, the the last post that I saw from her was her responding to another guy who's just just a straight up hardline anti semite who posted this beam that was like maybe this is why all conservatives support Israel and has a bunch of faces of conservatives with like uh, stars of David on them, like including Max Blumenthal. And Partisan Girl's response to this is not to object to the fact that it's unbelievably anti-Semitic, but to be like, no, 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 Max Blumenthal is actually an anti-Zionist, so you shouldn't include him with all of the rest of the people who you've included on here because they're Jewish, even though some of them aren't. He's just accusing random people of being Jewish who aren't. But that's the thing. Like, she's straight up an anti-Semite, just actually a fascist. I, I like, I literally, like, we could sit here for 10 minutes listing the names of all of the fascist podcasts she's been on. And... This is one of these things that people knew, like people knew that she was a fascist. And I like I had arguments with people where I would be like, hey, this person is a Nazi. Like she's been on David Duke's podcast and people would be like, well, yeah, she's a fascist, but I like her Syria analysis. And this is. You know, one, one of the things that happens in this, and this is I'm going to kind of defer to you on this, Robert, because this is something I know a lot less about. But one of the things that the Grayson people become really heavily involved about is the doing a bunch of weird denialism stuff around chemical weapons attacks in Duma. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a lot of the nexus of the kind of. Asshole left takes on Syria revolve around is because if if Bashar al-Assad was dumping chemical weapons on civilian populations in mass, which we know he was then there's absolutely no uh, way you can justify or defend him. It doesn't matter how many of his his enemies were, quote-unquote, Islamists. He was pumping chemical weapons into civilian neighborhoods. So the answer has to be that that never happened, right? That that was um, the CIA faking it or the CIA deploying chemical weapons, and it got blamed on Assad. Um, A lot of it comes down to there's this group. uh, These guys are civil defense people. This is their civil defense units in any city being bombed, made up of civilians in the area. When I was in Mosul, I was embedded with a lot of the Iraqi version of these guys. They go in and they pull people out and bodies out of of wreckage after bombings, right? They're usually locals. They provide some emergency medical care to the extent that that's possible. There's people doing this right now in Gaza. Um, and in, in, uh, Syria, it was the white helmets. Um, and you know, the white helmets were in large part formed by a a dude named James uh, Messier. I believe it's the way his name is pronounced. He died under mysterious circumstances in Turkey, not all that long ago, but a big part of the, the, this chunk of the left's line on Syria is that because these guys are the first responders and they're getting in after these chemical attacks and providing a lot of the initial evidence, in the wake of them, um, it's that these guys, the, the White Helmets, are a, a CIA front, and they're the ones who are kind of planting all of the evidence of these attacks. Yeah, and this stuff gets really, really out of control very quickly. I mean, this is one of the – you suddenly see all of these people doing the stuff that the like Alex Jones supporters are doing about Sandy Hook, where like, they're like taking pictures of like dead bodies and going, oh, this is like a mannequin, or like these are crisis actors. And it's it's – it's it's insane because it's like this is all the stuff that like the Israelis are doing now where like they're taking pictures of a dead baby and going like this is a doll. But so many people were doing this with like with this shit in Syria. And it, it really struck me as like I was kind of observing it from the outside because it like I don't know like I the period where this was happening is the period where Occupy ICE was starting. So I was not super involved in this stuff. But you could just sort of see like the kind of the level of conspiratism just like skyrocketing to to the point where like all of the stuff that's like the 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 modern like conspiracy canon is just getting embedded in there yeah it's where you see a lot of the a lot of the stuff that has been the norm on the right for 20 years 
start to take hold in the left, um, default reality kind of fragmenting conspiratorial angles on verifiable things that are happening, right? Where you have what's obviously occurring based on the evidence and the completely uh, errant reality fragment um, that that is how you have to perceive events in order to stay ideologically consistent. That's when a lot of that starts, starts to infect the left um, in a way that is now, you know, uh, pretty widely prevalent. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, you know, one of the things that he's able to do with this that becomes one of the staples of a lot of the left is this this line about color revolutions where every single time a protest starts in a country that he doesn't like or like the U.S. doesn't like, like everyone on Twitter would suddenly be like, oh, it's a it's a color revolution. It's a CIA op. All the protesters are being paid by the CIA. And I could pick like a thousand examples of this from everywhere from like Lebanon to Hong Kong. Like every time a mass protest would start, these people would be like, it's it's a color revolution. Um, I'm going to I'm going to pick one that I think I genuinely think is the most egregious piece of slander they've ever fucking printed, or at least like like slander of a leftist group, which is so Ben Norton wrote a piece that was about Ecuador because there've been there've been a bunch of like Ecuador has periodic mass protests. They also had elections um and Ben Norton who's another gray zone guy who eventually like we, we don't even have time to cover this, but he's going to break with the gray zone people when they take their hard right pivot because they start doing like anti-vax shit that's too much even for yeah. him. Which has been at least a little <laughs> bit of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Watching <laughs> watching them all fighting each other has been oh god. So this some of one of the few pieces of satisfaction we've gotten out of this. But Norton, so he one of the one of the people he's targeting is the Confederation of Indigenous Nationalities of Ecuador. And so we've talked about them on this show before. Um they are one of the most radical indigenous organizations on the planet. Like they, you know, they, they 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 have been literally in the case of Ben Norton, they have been overthrowing neoliberal governments since before Ben Norton was born. Like their big thing is doing is, is they, they, they do these days where like they call an uprising and an uprising happens. Hundreds of thousands of people go into the streets and try to bring down the government. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, this is this is one of their big things. And Gray Zone, like like Norton calls these people uh Anarchist inspired ultra leftist backed by the US. Which is you know just you know you're in for good political analysis when someone uses the term ultra leftist. Yeah. It's <laughs> I love it as an insult. It's like what ultra oh no, I'm an ultra leftist. You my politics are too good. You my takes are too based. Like what would this supposed to be an insult? Like what it's baffling stuff. Yeah, but like and, and, and like in the span of two years, they went from like praising uh the they went from praising the Confederation of Indigenous Nationalities of Ecuador to calling them a CIA op. Like again, within two years, um, and and a lot of a lot of this stuff is based on the work of this guy named William Engdahl. I I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I think I think it's William Engdahl. So he's he's a Larushite. Um, we've talked about the Larushites on this podcast before. They're famous for like beating up leftists on college campuses in the seventies. They're also like the most fed it up motherfuckers in the entire world. Like they are, they are snitching on leftist groups to like federal agencies you've never heard of before. Like they claim to have worked with the CIA, the FBI, the defense intelligence agency directly cooperated with Reagan's national security council. Like they have, they are like the biggest snitches in the entire world. And you know, Blumenthal's like copying their stuff, right? Like he's, this is, this is where a lot of his stuff about what color revolutions are comes from. And Engdahl is uh, I'm going to I'm going to turn to some research by Emmy Bevancy, who's an anti-fascist researcher. So Engdahl thinks that BLM was a color revolution because he is just a a really, really hard line like right winger. This is actually like a pretty common thing in these circles is people who think that BLM was a color revolution, people who think that like Occupy is a color revolution. And that's sort of like the far right of these of these sort of circles. And uh, I guess speaking of the the far right of these circles, uh, do you know what is the by far the right choice for you to 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 to, to, to purchase to use with your, your consum- money to to use your consuming power of the of of the purchasing dollar? That's right. These these ads. Great job, Mia. That was that was wonderful. Trip. 
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we are unfortunately back. Um, Well, my wallet is lighter and I've never felt happier. Yeah, so, okay, so we, the reason we're covering this in the first place is the the sort of right-wing pivot that this circle does. But before we talk about that, we need to talk about one more thing that is incredibly bleak, which is the time he accused a sexual assault victim of being a COINTELPRO op. So this is a story I, I I don't think most people know. I only know about it because I was there in the DSA at the time this was happening. Um, in 2017, the DSA has its first has its first elections after the giant surge of membership uh, from both like Trump winning and also Bernie. And they 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 have its first elections to its governing body. And one of the people who's elected is this guy named Arl Stevens. Um, Arl Stevens, he's a very popular leftist leftist at the time. He does this whole podcast circuit. He's very charismatic. He gets the third most votes of anyone elected to the National Political Committee. But it turns out he is also an abuser. Um, A woman publishes an anonymous letter about Stevens sexually assaulting her. It is fucking brutal. Um, Ben Norton, who's one of his co-workers that we've talked about before, makes a giant threat accusing the victim of being COINTELPRO. Um... Max Blumenthal quote tweets it and says, quote, can't help but be reminded of COINTELPRO while reading this thread. And even people who are normally Max Blumenthal supporters were like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and like the, the full story of, of Norton and Max Blumenthal's involvement in this is actually worse than I can talk about on air. So after the first thread where he where Ben Norton calls it a COINTELPRO op, he deletes that one because... It's just not obviously not true. People are yelling at him. So he makes a second thread that that thread is still up to this fucking day. You can find the thread of Ben Norton talking about how a DSA faction called Momentum had like manufactured the sexual assault thing to like destroy its opposition. And I want to make something very clear because I was there when when like during the in this fight inside the DSA between Momentum and everyone else in the fucking org. And I was on the anti-momentum side, right? Momentum was basically the right wing of the DSA. Not exactly the right wing. Like there's, there were some other people who were further right than them, but they were, they were like the center right of the DSA. They were electoralists. The only thing they ever wanted to do was canvassing. Like I was on, and Arl Stevens was on the other side, like opposing them. And I was on like politically, I was in the, in like on the same side as Arl Stevens here. Right. Like I fucking hate the momentum people. I think they destroyed the DSA. Um, one, one day I will do a whole thing about them. Um, like these, these people, like the momentum people literally purged my friends from the York, right? And Arl Stevens is one of their enemies. And that is not what this shit was fucking about. Like Arl Stevens is just a rapist. But, you know, Max Blumenthal and Ben Norton came in and were like, oh shit, this Arl Stevens guy is like an anti-imperialist. So we're going to accuse the survivor of being a COINTELPRO op. Oh my and God. It's f- 
fucking it's so fucking bleak. Um, Max has deleted his tweet, but you can find it if you you know I, I have screenshots of it and I have Wayback Machine things of it because I was there when this was happening, and none of these people ever suffered any professional repercussions for this. They were just fucking allowed to do this shit, and nothing ever happened to them. I don't know. It makes me just incredibly deeply angry. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, it is like there's that piece that goes around regularly about how like misogynists make the best informants and it remains a pretty durable fact about organizing. Like if you run into people who are uh, immediately attacking the victim of a sexual assault as some sort of an informant because the person who committed it is on the quote unquote right ideological side that might tell you something about the people who are doing that. Yeah. And, you know, and and this is, this is, this, I mean, this is the thing that like, like to this day, there were like really shitty left-wing groups who still do this stuff, you know? Okay. So we're, we're going to move on from that to some very, okay. So this is, you know, all of the stuff that Max Blumenthal had been doing until that point, that was all inside of the bounds of what was considered acceptable on the left. And that sucks, right? Like that's not good. But by about 2021, he is, and I found the exact, I'm pretty sure I found the exact month where this happened, where in 2021, like Blumenthal just loses it. Like it is specifically August, 2021. He very specifically starts like tacking right really fast. And what he starts doing is he starts he starts doing anti-lockdown stuff. And so he starts ranting about how like Australian lawmakers are proposing fines for sharing information about anti-lockdown protests and like fans for fines for attending rallies. And he just gets more and more into hardcore anti-lockdown stuff and then into stuff that's effectively just straight up anti-vax stuff. One of the things that he ends up doing is he writes an article about like if people back remember in COVID, there was like the whole thing about flattening the curve and trying to get less people to die. And there was this whole debate over whether you should just like not have lockdowns and let everyone get COVID. And that would give you like quote unquote herd immunity and everyone would be safe. And that's like, like Sweden tried that and it fucking killed a number of people. It was a terrible idea. Um, but like the whole sort of gray zone crew, like starts, well, except for Ben Norton who leaves, uh, starts like rallying around this stuff. And it's really weird because like like in 2020, when China was doing the lockdowns, Ben Norton was really, really pro lockdowns. But as as 2021 goes on, he starts pivoting into this anti-lockdown stuff. Um, and I, so I first saw this stuff from this journalist named Walter Bragman back when he was on Twitter is he starts. Like he, he, he writes an article that has a bunch of claims from this thing called the Great Barrington Declaration. Do you even remember that? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, so so this this was this giant anti-lockdown like declaration that a bunch of right wingers were pushing around. That was it's this giant anti-lockdown screed that's basically saying like the way to stop COVID is you have to like open all the all the businesses again, force everyone to go back to work, and then people will get like infected with COVID, and that will give them immunity to COVID, which. <laughs> It's a terrible idea because if you get infected with COVID, there's, you know, the chance that you die, right? It's Yeah. Yeah, and but the, the, the interesting thing about the Great Barrington Declaration is, is so it's created by the economic by the American Institute for Economic Research. So, we should ask who these people are. Um so they are a right-wing libertarian think tank which Blumenthal should hate. Right? He's supposed to be a leftist. He should hate these people. Uh, they received $68,000 from the Koch brothers uh, to do an economics conference, a thing that they are very mad about anytime. So anytime someone tries to bring it up and talk about how they're Koch funded, they're like, well, we only took $68,000 one time to do one economics conference. You can't call us Koch funded. But then like on their website, they admit that they they like quote for the record. Uh, AIER received $68,000 in Coke funding over the last 10 years, and that sum was used entirely to offset the conference of a single uh, economics conference in 2017 with no links to the Great Barrington Declaration. But, like, you know, obviously, so the reason the Cokes fund this thing is because these guys have the same economics, like, politics as they do. And, you know, as someone who has taken $0 from the Koch brothers, I could safely say that it's bullshit to say that we only took money for the Koch brothers once. So... What happens basically is the, the the American Institute for Economic Research has a 
like conference for a bunch of weirdo hacks who are also technically scientists to put out this report saying the lockdowns that happened immediately, like after like the disease, like COVID really started spreading in the US. They said that that was a mistake and they were advocating ending lockdowns, reopening businesses. And this was an overtly pro-business campaign to get a bunch of people killed. Like that's what these people were trying to do. Um, But Max Blumenthal suddenly is like pushing this stuff like in pieces that he's writing for Gray Zone. It's very deeply weird. And this stuff just and as as like 2021 goes on, this stuff gets like worse and worse and worse. By 2021, Blumenthal is writing articles about an impending attempt to implement social credit alongside Jeffrey Lofredo. So. Okay, we, we need to take this in two parts. Uh, we'll get to the social credit stuff in a second. First, we need to talk about who Jeffrey Lafredo L- L- is because this guy... So this guy used to work at Rebel News, which is this, like... I I, I, I mean, like, Garrison, I know you know this. I know, I know you the, two know what Rebel News that's is. That's the Canadian, yeah. basically... Yeah, yeah. Canadian kind of Breitbart. Like an, yeah, it's like a Breitbart InfoWars type thing. They have, like, yeah. podcasts and online sites. Yeah. They're like a Canadian far right news source, essentially. They also engage in a lot of like activism. Like, it's one of the few, relatively few Canadian far right websites that also regularly goes viral in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's also quite popular in Australia, yeah. or they have a they, they have like a they, branch in Australia. They played a significant role in, if you remember the the basically caravan that drove. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> we're yes. getting to that. Yeah. So. So Blumenthal is writing a, like an article with Jeremy Lafredo, who is a guy who like wrote like a million articles for Rebel News. In fact, as best I can tell, he was still working for Rebel News when Blumenthal starts like directly linking to Rebel News articles about this stuff. Um, now, it turns out he was actually fired from Rebel News after a bunch of tweets surfaced, which like. Okay, the kinds you know, of tweets. You know how hard it is to get yeah. fired from so Rebel News? I, I tracked down these tweets. Um. It is. I'm not even going to read any of them. There, there, there are there are seven different tweets where he talks about how how he wants to rape people. There's one where he's oh, confessing okay. to, where well. that's just about him being a pedophile. Um, there's right. a bunch of him saying the n word. There's a bunch of like incredibly racist, like Chinese anti Chinese stuff, which is very funny because Max Blumenthal presents himself as like the the, the big pro China guy, and here he is like writing articles with this deranged anti Chinese racist. And again, like this, this got him fired, like from Rebel News and the Max Blumenthal article with him is still up. Now, so that that's insane enough, right? But the part I I wanted to talk, the reason that was a rabbit hole that I fell down while I was looking at this article. The reason I want to talk about this article in the first place is because he's writing about social credit. Now, for people who don't recognize the social credit stuff, um, Here's the title of this article, quote, the title is the subtitle. The titans of global capitalism are exploiting the COVID-19 crisis to institute social credit style digital ID systems across the West. So what, what, what is this social credit thing? This is like a this is a, a very big right wing conspiracy theory thing. Like Alex Jones is a huge pusher of this. And basically what they're saying is that they're they're going to import this system from China that they say exists called social credit where like if you say something bad about the government you won't be able to like use your credit card to buy food and this is not how things work in China but it's very interesting because you know these right wingers are absolutely convinced that social credit is coming to the US like this never happened it was never going to happen but what's interesting about it is that gray zone is specifically writing about this which is insane because again, this is this is whole thing is an anti is an anti China conspiracy theory, and like the, all of the sort of Marxist Leninism's like whole one of their whole pitches was that they are the like they 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 support China against American imperialism, and then like within about a year, like in like a one year span, they've just pivoted to publishing like full on right wing social credit stuff. Um, and you know, and by by twenty twenty two, it's gone even further. Uh, this 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 is where we get to the truckers convoy. So Garrison covered this extensively on the show. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you, do you want to do like the really short version of what that was? Uh, this a, a few kind of QAnon influencers, most of them based in uh, Alberta, and then a few other kind of uh, conservative influencers tied to and some some of whom were tied to Rebel News, kind of who were based more throughout Canada, organized this event where a whole bunch of truckers, but mostly just regular people 
would drive to the Capitol and park outside until Justin Trudeau would meet their demands or <laughs> something like that. Um, they were out there for, for, for a few weeks. It really started getting shut down by Canadian law enforcement uh, when they started to block um, one of one of the big uh, uh, trade border crossings between the U.S. and Canada. At that point, it became enough of a problem that the government was like, okay, we're just going to like make you guys leave. Um, and that was that. So it, it, it caused kind of chaos in Ottawa for a few days. It was compared a little bit to like, it's like Canada's January 6th. Not really. I mean, it, it had a very large mobilization of people, which was unique for Canada. And we, we've started to see some of like the, the tactics and stylings of this of this trucker convoy get adopted both in Canada and the States. We've we've had, you know, versions of this tried to get started in the States. Never. They Even never really took pathetic. off. Oh, my God. There's been there's been <laughs> people have tried to organize it again in Canada. It hasn't really taken off the same way. Um, but but yeah, that is kind of the gist. I I did a, a few episodes as this was ongoing. And then I did a, a, a larger kind of piece about. The, the the whole thing that was that was more scripted towards towards the end of it you can find those i think in like if you go back to like february of 2022 you'll you'll find some 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 of those pieces yeah and i think i think the other thing that's important to emphasize about this these guys are right wingers like i i have pictures of these guys waving ustashi flags what are these thoughts? You're like the guys who did the Holocaust there was, in Croatia. Like, you know, yeah, there, there, like, there was a mix of like conservatives to like actual fascists with like Nazi yeah. flags there. Like that, that, yeah. that, that it was it was pretty there was a pretty wide ideological spectrum that was present. Now, some conservatives weren't happy that they're not that yeah, Nazis were there and try, and, try, and try to get them to leave. Um, you know, others are more ambivalent. Um, but yes, there was there was a, a, a large variety of of ideological re- representation at the trucker convoy yeah so here's max blumenthal's response to it the lockdown left spent the last week spouting academic theory to undercut support for a trucker strike looks on with silent satisfaction as the imperial trudeau regime imposes the emergency act to freeze bank accounts they wanted this so he's just fully like fully spends his whole time fully on board with the truckers thing he's trying to convince people it's a trucker strike which is it's not it's, it's like not. objectively it's not it's it's, it's almost it's, all these people are like anti-union who are participating yeah and they're, they're also they're also like the, the actual people who are truckers are the people who own trucking companies they're not like they're not the people who are leasing trucks out they are like the owners of these trucks so he's really doing this sort of like like he's really doing this this sort of like pivot right um like to supporting this stuff by 2023 he's just posting straight up anti-vax stuff um like here, here's the thing that he wrote about uh peter holtz who was this guy he was like this guy who was i don't know he's like a science guy he was like a, he was a really big target of the right for a while because he wouldn't he kept like there's there's this whole thing where joe rogan was trying to debate him about whether vaccines worked and it, it was it was this whole weird thing meeting um, of the minds <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and so Beth Blumenthal is like, Bill Gates made hundreds of millions of dollars off his investment in biotech thanks to government subsidies in one of the greatest fear campaigns in history. He called mRNA a miracle, uh, vax a miracle. Now he admits the vaccines were semi-worthless big pharma junk. And sure. then, uh, <laughs> but after contributing so much social damage with his unrelenting senatorian demand for hard lockdowns and the mass mandating of what amounted to experimental pharma junk, including to small children, Hote seems uh, desperate to avoid accountability. So this is just straight up anti-vax shit, right? Like, and th- this this is like where we are like now. It's like he he spent like a whole bunch of like the last two years just tweeting anti-vax stuff, and this got fused with like the lab leak stuff really quickly and this is something i think is really interesting because it's it's another demonstration that like he knows what he's doing so back in 2021 um back like right after the the atlanta um the atlanta spa shootings happened um he like max limenthal's reaction to it was like oh yeah here's your like here's his in light of recent racist attacks, here's a reminder of Josh Rogan's Trump disinfo dump, the Washington Post blaming China for cooking up COVID-19 in the lab. Rogan fu- cited a U.S.-funded dissident as a fake scientist to legitimate his propaganda. Now, this is actually – the stuff about the lab leak is actually true, which is sort of wild. I mean, it's not quite 
like the lab leak stuff i think has directly contributed to people getting attacked the atlanta shooting i don't know i did a bunch i did two episodes about it at the like a bit later yeah if you want to hear me talk about the full explanation of that for a very long time so that's that's what he's saying in 2021 right is is he has correctly identified that the lab leak stuff is uh like neocon like trump like anti-china stuff uh one year later he has jeffrey Sachs on the show to talk about how the u.s is covering up how the pentagon and the national institute of health funded biological research that created covid19 in a lab in wuhan in one year he has gone from calling the lab leak like a, a, a neocon a, a quote a quote trump disinfo dump that was created by a neocon to having jeffrey Sachs on his show to talk about how the lab leak is real and like, like this is bad enough just as an ideological shift, right? But we need to talk about, do you guys know who Jeffrey Sachs is? No, not really. Oh, boy. Okay, so Sachs is a Columbia University economist. Um, he is also the guy who did shock therapy, both in Russia and in Poland. Like, this is the guy who privatized the Russian economy and handed it over to a combination of, like, American investors, Russian mobsters, and the guys who would become Russia's oligarchy. Like, he is the guy... Who, like, if, if you are one of these people, he should be enemy number one, right? He is he is the guy who, like, destroyed, if, if like, if you believe this, if he's the guy who destroyed Russian communism, right? He is, he is responsible, and this is, this is one of the things these people will talk about a lot, is how, like, all of the shock therapy stuff, like, caused the largest drop in life expectancy between World War II and COVID, right? And like, like Sachs is not a bit like Sachs was literally in the room. He was in the room in the Kremlin when the USSR was dissolved. This is like this is one of the greatest anti-communists in human history. And here is Max Blumenthal, a man who is supposed to like his entire thing is about like opposing the imperialist to overthrew communism, like sitting down, having like a, a very like a very sort of like having like a very palling around interview about uh, that that is that is Sachs pushing a conspiracy theory, the lab leak conspiracy theory that he was literally calling disinfo one year ago, and I don't know. I thought about this for a long time, trying to figure out what was happening here, and the conclusion that I came to is that this is the soul of a man who believes in nothing, and you know you can you can ask the question why do this, and the short answer people tend to give is just is money, and that's like true but it doesn't go anywhere near far enough because i think the real the real answer of why these people did these right-wing pivots is much much worse the the actual reason people in left media suddenly start taking right-wing turns and this is something we've seen from like the young turks like taking this like anti-trans anti-homeless pivot there have been several other outlets that have have done a right-wing turn and this is this is a structural problem in left media which is that if you're in left media you have a massive and you're trying to expand you have a massive problem and the problem is that the left in the u.s just isn't that big right like there are more leftists now than there have been for a very very long time but there's only so many leftists and you can't pull from them all because leftists all hate each other so even if even if you try to corner like the market of one faction of the left another faction of the left is just going to hate you because this is just how this is just how infighting works and so if you're producing something that's designed for the left and only the left, there is built in a, a hard cap on how big your audience can get. And if you're successful, you can hit that limit. But if you want to grow more after that, you have to expand your ideological base, like the ideological base of your audience. But the problem is there's only two directions you can go, right? You can either try to get liberals to listen to your show or you could try to get conservatives. But, you know, for people like Max Blumenthal or like Jimmy Dore, for example, who's another person who did this big like anti-vax pivot around the same time Max Blumenthal was doing it. They, they, they have a whole thing where they, they're, they're talking about how ivermectin is actually a good COVID treatment together. Yeah, um, he, he used to be yeah. like a like a left wing YouTuber or who has like. A yeah, he was he was, he was a, a, the, he was a young guy from the Young Turks um, and he went off and did his own thing is now like just completely just only does anti-vax shit. But but you know, the problem is if you're if you're a Jimmy Dore like you're you're gray zone right recruiting liberals is really really hard because your entire brand is based on how much you hate liberals, and this means that the people who naturally agree with them are conservatives. And the other important thing here is that leftists don't have that much money, right? 
like there, there, there's not there, there's like us, there's like there, there are there are leftists who are like college students who have rich families who have some money. There's like a small number of like leftist ministers, but like they don't have, on average, leftists don't have that much money. On the other hand, conservatives have an enormous amount of money, and they are very, very easily pandered to. If you just like pump out like bottom barrel anti-vax shit, like they will flock to you. And, you know, and whenever you need to get leftists sort of back on your side, right, you can just start tweeting about Palestine and everyone will forget everything else you've ever done. Because any like any anytime, anytime someone post posts like a pro-Palestine thing, people just click on it. Right. Yeah. And th- this this has been this has been like so Max Lindenthal spent the last about two years just doing anti-vax stuff. The moment like the moment Palestine became something that people were focusing on again. And, you know, and there are good reasons for that, right? Like, but the moment he did that, he just pivoted back into doing Palestine stuff and everyone just completely ignored what he'd been doing this whole time. And if you do this and you, you could you pander to you pander to the anti-vaxxers and making anti-vax content, and then also you could just go back and regain your leftist credentials and get like views and support from leftists by doing Palestine stuff, you can make a lot of money. But there's a price. Every time you sell out to these people, you betray another part of yourself until one day you believe in nothing. The left and the right and we lose all meaning. And the only thing that's left is content and the culture war. Um, and I want to close this episode by talking, by reading something from another Grey Zone contributor, Anya Parampil, who is, she's another Grey Zone journalist and she's Max Blumenthal's wife. And she, she is the Grey Zone person who's reached the end of this cycle. And I'm just going to read what this looks like. Quote, the labels of left and right are outdated in the U.S. Case in point, leftist white men now pander to other white men by telling women of color they're bigots for saying boys shouldn't be able to piss in the girls' room. These same punks spent months loudly advocating against bodily, I don't know, uh, Okay, her her tweet just trails off. It says bodily. It says dot dot dot. It just moves to another tweet. I don't know. She's not a very good writer. Um, gender ideology has created a dynamic in which a bunch of men can come into organizing circles, play victim, and assert control over what is acceptable for others, especially women, to say and think. Most people know it's just misogyny tied up in a frilly bow, but are too afraid to. It just dot dot dots off again. I deeply weird. Now that participants in the Depression Olympics have spent weeks attacking an anti-war rally because it didn't fit their tunnel vision for the movement, gloves are off. Good luck winning over the people with your message. The same people who believed workers should not be mandated to take an experimental injection that did not, quote, stop the spread, cried, my body, my choice, when Roe was overturned. Yet these seem, same. these are the same people who do not even believe biological women exist. Total incoherence. So this is this is just a collection of this is just a collection of like very basic right wing talking points like this is yeah the 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 like um the false correlation between like uh reproductive health care and like uh vaccines for public health and the stuff about gender gender ideology all all of it is just very very basic like talking points used 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 by the right that conflate various issues. Yeah, it's just like th- this is indistinguishable from the ravings of any other right winger. And this is just this is just where this stuff ends, because th- this 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 specific line, this is how you fucking make money. And, you know, there's you know, I mean, we could talk about a million more iterations of how this these stuff fuse together. I mean, Max Blumenthal goes to like an anti-vax rally that has a bunch of like three percenters and like a bunch of just straight up right wing fascists. but. You know, this is at least one of the endpoints of where this stuff goes. But tomorrow, we're going to look at a group of people who took this even further. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so get get ready for that shit because it's about to get wildly anti-Semitic. Oh, great! Hooray! What Happened Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.